It's time to drop the gloves. Welcome, everybody, to a show where we drink beer, talk sports, and have all kinds of shenanigans. I am your host, Charlie. I want to say a special hello to all the nations of Drop the Gloves Army. We have USA, Canada, Germany, United Kingdom, New Zealand, Australia, Poland, Sweden, Finland, Switzerland, Ireland, India, and Spain. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. The beer of the month is still the Boston Lager by Samuel Adams, the remastered edition. Uh, it's actually gone. I drank it all. And that the Samuel Adams is no more, which makes which is great because this is the last episode of the month of July. So I get to go out and find a new beer for the month of August. And I don't even know what that's going to be yet. It may come to me between now doing this show and the, the very first episode of August. And man, can you guys believe it's already, uh, it's the end of July, it's already August? My gosh, I mean, it, it's true what they kind of say, isn't it? That you start the year off, it's so slow. It's like January. I mean, it drags. And then it's February. And then it's March. And then it's April, May, June, July. And now we're here. It's like, I mean, kids are get, I mean, kids are going back to school soon. I mean, parents out there who are listening, yay you. Teachers, if you're listening, sorry, but it's what you get paid to do. But yeah, I can't believe it, guys. We're, we're almost in August. So since Samuel Adams is out, I'm grabbing the next best thing out of the beer fridge in the penalty box. I have the Founders Brewing from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Founders Scotch Style Ale, the Dirty Bastard. Had the Dirty Bastard on a few weeks ago. Pop it. Oh, and it's still good. Oh, man. Love it. Way to go, founders. You guys have a scotch ale that I like. I love it. And that 50 West Brewing, take notes, all right? Take notes. Throw away the going plaid that you guys came out with, and I totally call bullshit on the th whole third place uh, winning. You placed third with that beer in a 2016 um, beer competition. It's like we're, we're the... Were the judges taste buds, like, I don't know, blind or something? Or was it that you got the judges who hated IPAs and they got to they got to taste test your stuff along with something else that was along the same category of a scotch ale? And they were just like, well, it ain't an IPA. Guys, I'd take the worst IPA before I go back to the going plaid by 50 West. I so would. I would rather drink an IPA. And I don't do that. I don't drink IPAs, all right? The closest I will get to a bitter beer is like an amber lager or an amber ale. That's about it. That's as close as I'm going to get. I mean, pale ales, pale ales, you're one step away from an IPA. You're one step away. The only extra step that is missing is that you add more hops. That's it. You just add more for that bitterness. And it's just like, oh my gosh. You, people who drink that stuff, I mean, I mean, there, there's been studies on people like you and that where you just you drink it and they find that you have like these like excessive mood swings. And it's just like, I mean, I have excessive mood swings, but I'm a sports fan. So mine are actually logical and that actually sometimes they may not even be logical. 
uh, as a sports fan. But you guys, you guys are stimulated, or your uh, your mood swings are stimulated all based on bitter beer. Life is too short to drink crappy beer. All right, it's my new tagline that I've been saying at the end of these shows. It's t- life is too short to drink the crappy beer. Please, guys, get away from the mood swings. I'm talking to you people out there on the West Coast in California, Oregon, and Washington. All right. Well, before we jump in to sports, because uh, we do have a lot to talk about and some big, uh, at least one or two big things happened this week uh, in sports, but. Before we jump in, I want to go on another tangent here. And that, so this past week was Shark Week. Anybody really like it this year? I mean, because I haven't seen Shark Week in a very long time. All right. We cut cable, uh, was it like 2016 or 2017? So, I mean, we cut cable, lost the Discovery Channel, and I haven't watched like a Shark Week in like, I don't know. five six years or something all right so we we got hbo max and that and we get to we get to watch shark week and i i am so stoked i am like i'm i'm reliving my childhood again watching all this stuff i'm learning new stuff but i mean what is it about shark week this could be the um poll uh question or the poll or the q a uh on spotify guys please be sure to go to spotify follow on spotify subscribe on spotify that's where you guys can find the poll and the question of the episode and that and that's where you guys can interact with me now i noticed none of you guys did that last week during my whole freedom spiel and that my whole freedom rant which i still stand by Okay, you're not going to change my mind. I'm not here to apologize. I said, come at me, bro. None of you guys came at me. All right. So I'm still going. I'm still here making a fool of myself. Like I said last week, I keep doing this every week. Why? Because I love it. I really do. I love just talking to a microphone and speaking my mind about whatever and drinking really good beer. I mean, how how can I mean how can you not fall in love with something like that? And and for a guy like me who's an introvert and I don't like to talk and not have crowds, I'm talking to a microphone in an empty room, empty studio, empty penalty box. I'm the only one here, and I keep going. But enough of that. So Shark Week, and that I really like the stuff where it's about how we learn more about like why sharks operate the way they do like why are they here or what conditions are in place for why there's fatal shark attacks or shark attacks happening did you know that 40 percent of uh the world's shark attacks happen in the state of florida oh my gosh and one of the places that i loved vacation in florida Cocoa beach is in is one of those hot spots so and we vac- and my family has vacationed at Cocoa Beach at least three to four times. And that's so that means three to four times we have survived Shark Week. <laughs> if if that's the way you want to think about it. We have survived Shark Week. And that, but I, I love that stuff. I love learning more about the behaviors. Not really the not really 
diving in too much into the science. I just want, I like the experiments where it's like, hey, let's chum up the water. Let's make it murky. Uh, let's see if sound plays a factor. Let's see if this plays a factor. Pollution or something. Uh, food source. I like those outside behaviors and learning that about Shark Week. I'm not so much a science guy where I need to know the biological stuff. All right. I barely passed high school biology, okay? <laughs> I mean, everybody was just looking forward to dissecting the frogs, okay? That's, that was it. That's all we really cared about. We just wanted to dissect stuff. We weren't really paying attention to the whole, you know, biology part of everything else. So, but that's my little rant about Shark Week. It was this past week. I loved it. I love streaming it on HBO Max. Okay, sorry. I, I've ranted so much about beer and uh shark week and a whole bunch of other stuff let's let's get into what this show is supposed to be mostly about and that is sports so one of the really big things that happened this week and i and i tell you guys i thought it was going to be a slow week all right for news i was kind of i was kind of anticipating it all right i was kind of like you know what you know, it, this could be so slow of a week. The, sh the episode could be short. I may have to rant to, or ramble on about something else or something different or pose questions or hypotheticals. And then Tuesday hit. And what did I see Tuesday? Oh, let me tell you guys. I saw breaking news. Patrice Bergeron, captain of the Boston Bruins, after 19 seasons, announced his retirement. Patrice Bergeron has played 1,294 games, amassing 427 goals, 613 assists, a total of 1,040 points. Other accomplishments of Patrice Bergeron, 2011 Stanley Cup champion, and I am wearing the 2011 Stanley Cup champion uh, hat uh, here in the penalty box. I'm also wearing my Boston Bruins gear because, I mean, it, it's Bergeron. I mean, and plus it's the Bruins. It's my favorite team. 2011 Stanley Cup champion, six-time Selkie Trophy winner. He won his sixth one this this year before his retirement. Three-time All-Star, two-time Olympic gold medalist. 2013 King Clancy Trophy winner, 2014 NHL Foundation Player Award, 2021 NHL Mark Messier Leadership Award, and a Triple Gold Club member. I mean, hats off. I mean, stick taps all around to you, sir. Oh, Captain, my Captain Patrice Bergeron, dude. I mean, you were you were a workhorse. You were you were the Man, you were one of the faces of the franchise for 19 years. I mean, it's it's so rare. It, it's so rare nowadays. It, I think almost in any sport. I really do. I think it's so rare in almost any sport where, where you have a franchise player like that. I mean, there are the exceptions. There are guys who, you know, he's the face. He's the captain. He's the go-to guy. Patrice Bergeron was one of those guys. He was always part of that core group. He, I mean, he, ever since year one, he's just been a phenomenal asset to the Boston Bruins. He's been a phenomenal human being. I mean, coaching and showing leadership to all these young guys coming in, being a 
a brother in arms, so to speak, to uh, teammates like Brad Marchand, Zidane Chara, Milan Lucic, uh, David Pasternak. I mean, being uh, an inspiration and kind of a leader for the young guys, like I said, like Charlie McAvoy, uh, Charlie Coyle uh debrusque i mean all these guys coming into boston i mean it's just been it's been a tremendous honor to be a fan of the boston bruins and then also get to watch one of the i'll say one of this generation's most dominant defense defensive forwards in the league i mean six times selkie trophy winner i mean goes to show you that he is that best he is one of those better two-way uh, players. He can play on the offense because he is an offensive player, but he is so quick to get back on defense, and he is not afraid to put his body on the line. And that is what led him to his retirement, listening to his body and realizing that he he just couldn't do a 20th season, and he couldn't do this upcoming centennial season, which is going to be a little, you know, I mean, I already shared my thoughts on the centennial season, how I'm not looking forward to it uh, based on the roster. Not really a big fan of the centennial logo. It's one that they've had in the past. It's nothing new, um, but it is one of the um, it is one of the most used uh, logos that they've had. I think it went on a 30 or 40 year span before uh, the present day uh, Boston Bruins uh, spoke B logo is uh, is now in use for the team. But, I mean, it's going to be sad. Uh, probably my favorite Patrice Bergeron moment, I, I'll say I have two. and that, But my first one is always going to be the 2013 Game 7 against Toronto. Toronto fans, if you're listening, uh, Cover your ears, go la, 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 whatever you have to do to get through this next thing. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was kind of like thinking this is over. This is it. And, I, I mean, Toronto was up 4-1, third period. I was just like, man, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Nothing was happening. No momentum shifts. I mean, hardly any scoring chances. And then all of a sudden, Boston turned it on. Uh, then it was 4-2. Then it was 4-3. And then Bergeron scores the tying goal from the point. I mean, almost, I mean, like, right at the blue line, just fires it and goes right in. And that... Uh, and tie game, Boston, TD Garden going nuts. And so we go into overtime. You could feel the momentum shift. Boston was back in it. Every Boston fan doubtful like myself in 2013 was in it like, yes, we believe. We believe. Boston strong. Boston strong. And then who else? to play the hero, but Patrice Bergeron to get the rebound and score the overtime winner against Toronto. Game over, series over. Boston moved on to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Man, that's going to be one of my favorites. Um, that is probably my, my favorite of all time for Patrice Bergeron. Um, my second favorite uh was during the um bubble year covid 2020 um was it they were playing the carolina hurricanes i think it was game one game one of the bubble uh tournament i think they were playing 
all the East teams were playing up in Toronto. All the West Coast teams were playing in Edmonton, I think. I spent three years. I can't remember all the details. Um, too much beer in between. <laughs> but it went to overtime. Game one, I do believe. And I'm watching from my couch. It's the middle of an August afternoon or whatever. And hockey's on. It's like, yes. Yes, please. I mean, we, we all needed something in the year 2020 to get us motivated and to get us, you know, back into that groove of what we know as normal, watching sports watch, and having that distraction, having that entertainment for us because it was all just doom and gloom. And no matter who you talk to, everybody had a stupid opinion. But enough of that. Going back to Patrice Bergeron, uh, Second greatest moment. Uh, I, I was bored out of my mind, and I I wanted to be part of the whole Boston Bruins celebration. And my uh, former Instagram account, I went like live, or I did a little reel or something, and I watched as um, Brad Marchand was coming up the ice, and I I even I mean on video. I wish I still had the video. I don't. And I don't have my old Instagram account either, so I can't find it or can't recover it. But I mean, I'm watching and I'm just like, I'm rooting. I'm, 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 I'm the same guy when watching a hockey game, whether I'm on my couch or I'm at the game, I'm the same guy. The, the intensity level does not really change. My attention stays the same. I, I am just with it the whole time. And that, and I, I'm like, go, Marshy, go. And Marshy goes up the ice. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting excited. Marshy is getting there. Marshan has entered the has entered the zone. And then there's that pass over to Bergeron, and Bergeron puts it in for the overtime winner. And I just jump up and go, Yeah! Bergeron! Oh, it was, man. That goal, that goal by Bergeron in 2020, man, that was worth however many months of waiting for that. That goal will probably get me through some future hard times. And that, I mean, everybody has that one sports moment where it's like, man, see that? That moment got me through like the worst year of my life. Or, Man, I was really feeling down, but then I saw that, and that and that got my hopes back up, or whatever. And Patrice Bergeron, I mean, there's no way of you really knowing or ever finding this a podcast, but I do want to let you know that that overtime goal in Game 1 against Carolina Hurricanes in the bubble year of the Stanley Cup playoffs, that meant so freaking much to me. I mean, it really did. I mean, for for that entire game and then in that overtime, I mean, I didn't care if the world outside was burning or not. All I cared about was the Boston Bruins won. It's all I cared about. And uh, Bergeron, oh, captain, my captain, dude. You you are going to be so so missed. I know I know. There's teammates out there already who have given you uh, goodbye letters or tribute videos or whatever, and it's just like, dude. I mean, 
it's one thing for them because they they've known you for however long of their careers been with you for however long as a boston bruin played against you respected you i mean played on your national team in canada um but to the fans that you have impacted and impressed on dude yeah as one of those fans i mean again tip of the cap to you sir tip of the cap and uh, what a career what an awesome moment we are so going to miss you and uh and now with your uh, retirement that kind of poses a few questions for the uh, boston bruins and uh that is uh well one of them is is don sweeney actually going to get his get off his hands and do something now i mean are you guys going to eventually you know you know make that that next leap moving forward to finding the replacement for Bergeron. And I'm not talking about the captaincy because I truly believe the captaincy needs to stay vacant for this upcoming centennial season. I think you need to have four alternate captains, four, not three, four. And my picks for the four would be Pasternak, Marshawn, uh, McAvoy, and then returning Milan Lucic. And that those four guys need to have A's on their chest. Nobody gets to see this year. I really don't think it's necessary. Or if Krejci comes back, then Krejci gets it. And we still don't know where Krejci, if Krejci's coming back. We have no clue. And that, I mean, he, he like Bergeron last year during our whole Boston Bruins crisis episode, we didn't know if both of them were coming back. Eventually, they both came back and had one heck of a, season with the boston bruins i mean the whole organization everything aside from the playoffs i mean it was a great season and that but we don't know what's going to happen with Krejci. so here are some notable roster moves for the boston bruins and when i look at the subtractions i'm just like i am so disgusted at to as to what boston is doing here they have lost taylor hall tyler bertuzzi garnett hathaway Nick Foligno, Dmitry Orloff, Connor Clifton, and Mike Riley. I mean, how do you let Bertuzzi go to your in-division rival? How does that happen? It shouldn't have happened. And that, and you added James Van Riemsdyk, Milan Lushik. Now, don't get me wrong. Malushik is a, is one of those enforcers that that dying breed that is out there right now in the NHL. The breed of player that Be Gary Bettman does not want, and that does not want us hockey fans to admire and and to actually have the the event of fighting in the game anymore. And I, and I disagree. You still need it. It's still the greatest sport because of that. Uh, not in spite of it, but because fighting is a five-minute penalty and you get to come out of the box and do it all over again if you choose to. It's the only sport where you're not fined for doing it. Uh, you're not facing suspension. Five minutes in the penalty box, and then I get to do it all over again. Sounds like a really cool job to me because uh, I'm not a skater, and I'd probably be like the Doug Glatt of players where I don't know how to skate, I just go out there. You tell me who I need to go after. I go after them. 
That's who I'd be. And uh, so Milan Lucic returning, Morgan Geeky uh, from uh, Seattle, and then Kevin Shattenkirk. I mean, just this is not enough. This is definitely not enough. And uh, you definitely need somebody. You need to find that player. You need to go out there and find that notable free agent that is still out there regardless of health issues right now because nobody thinks Boston's going to make the playoffs next year. Nobody thinks they're even going to be in a wild card spot. And I'm tending to agree with them because I'm giving them a big fat F for failing this offseason. They've done absolutely a terrible job. Don Sweeney, you have done a terrible job. You're almost up there with Peter Sorelli. You're almost up there with him. And I hate Peter Sorrell. You want to know why I hate him? He traded freaking Tyler Sagan. Everybody keeps on saying, no, 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 Boston won that trade. Bullshit. Bullshit he did. No way we won that trade. No way. So, I mean, Boston, you got to figure stuff out. All right? You, you've got to figure stuff out now that Bergeron has left. And that... I mean, is it sad to see him go? Yes, absolutely. Is it his time? He believes it is. His body ha has told him he doesn't think he has a 20th year in him, and that's his decision to make. He knows his body better than anybody, all right? But now that he is gone, the questions loom. Okay, what about David Krejci? What about the captaincy, which I still think you don't need one, just four alternates, and then can you find that last minute top-line guy to potentially come in for maybe one season and take over that top-line spot where Bergeron was, that center, that center spot. As of right now, it doesn't look like they're going to do it, and that kind of scares me a little bit because uh, I want them to find that guy. I do, but I don't think it's going to happen because Don Sweeney continues to sit on his hands and just you know, let things play out as they play, which is dumb. And I hope he doesn't do that with the arbitration filing with Jeremy Swayman. And that, which is another thing Boston has to figure out because now arbitration filings have taken place between Jeremy Swayman, the goaltender, and the Boston Bruins. Jeremy Swayman is seeking 4.8 million. Boston is offering two. Come on, guys. You got a million dollars extra cap space now that Patrice Bergeron has retired. I and mean, that's all he played for was a million bucks. And you've offered three out of the four players who you've added to this team during this offseason, James Rand, Riemsdyk, Milan Lucic, and Shattenkirk. You've all offered them like a million bucks each. I'm pretty sure you have it in the cap space room to, you know, give an extra million to Swayman and keep the dynamic goalie duo together. Do not break up the duo. Don't do it. So come on, give give Swayman what he is owed here. He's totally he has totally proven himself, and he is worth it. He, him and Allmark, one of the best tandems for goaltenders in the entire league last year. Forget the whole playoff scenario. Still one of the best goalie tandems. Everybody loved him. The goalie hug w was the moment we all loved at the end of Boston Bruins game. Not the fact that some of you guys were like, oh, thank God it's over. They beat us. No, it was, hey, we get to see a goalie hug. And uh, we love that. We all did. You know it. Don't lie to yourself. Toronto, I know you loved it. 
If I had to pick who actually won um, the offseason so far, um, I'm going to pick the Detroit Red Wings. I think the Detroit Red Wings are on to something here. I think we are going to see great things from Detroit. I give Detroit an A, okay? So they lost Dominic Kubalik, Philip Zadina, Jordan Ostery, Robert Haig, and Alex Nedeljovic. I hope I said that right, but I'm an American. I butcher names, so uh, sue me. Come at me, bro. Um, additions. They've added Alex DeBrinkett, Christian Fisher, Daniel Sprong, JT Comfer, Clem Costin, Justin Hull, Shane Gospierre, Alex Leon, and James Reimer. I mean, I mean, I totally believe that whatever that what Steve Yeiserman is doing with the Red Wings, freaking awesome, dude. Freaking awesome. I feel like we're in the I feel like Detroit is in that right direction to once again be relevant and rightfully call themselves hockey town. I think they're on the move to doing that. Um, I think a uh, potential, like, you know, second place winner of the offseason would probably be the New Jersey Devils. And then, I mean, they did lose a lot of players here. They've lost uh, to Tomas Tatar, Miles Wood, Ryan Graves, Damon Severson, Mackenzie Blackwood. They've added the likes of Tyler Toffoli, Colin Miller, and then they re signed a whole bunch of guys, Nathan Bastion. Uh, Jesper Pratt or Bratt, Eric Hula, uh, Michael McLeod, and Timo Meyer. I think all great re-signings by the Devils. I mean, I give. I mean, because we all didn't see the Devils being one of those teams last year where they were up there in the top three of the division. I mean, it was like really New Jersey, huh? How about that? Detroit, you get an A. New Jersey, you get maybe like. Um, I'll say an A minus, maybe a B plus. Boston, you totally deserve an F. I mean, there's other teams out here. Uh, New York Rangers, you've lost Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, Tyler Mott, uh, Nico uh, Mikola, and Yaroslav Halak. Oh, Halak. Oh, I feel bad for you, buddy. And uh, you, you won me over when you played that one season with Boston. You won me over. I, I became a Halak fan. Um, they've added Blake Wheeler, Nick Bonino. Uh, Tyler Pitlick, Alex uh, Bezel, Eric Gustafson, Connor Mackey, and Jonathan Quick. And I mean, I think those are pretty good names. I think Rangers, you totally deserve a B. And I think a uh, grade B for that one. Uh, and there's other teams out there I could go on and on, but there's more to talk about. Um, so take a real quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Pony Box, everybody. I am still drinking the Founders Dirty Bastard Scotch Style Ale. Uh, no, this is not the same one. I did find, I did get another bottle. There's still a few more in the fridge. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a baby, and I don't need a baby bottle for it. So, changing gears, we talked a lot about 
hockey shark week and a whole bunch of stuff during the first half uh let's change gears here so said in the beginning of the show that uh man the 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 year's going by fast now we're about to enter august and that and we're already seeing uh football news training camp stuff and that from the nfl and we're also seeing some stuff from the college world of sports as well so i mean we're we're inching closer august is the month where the season uh for college football starts end of august so i mean we're we're getting there we're really getting there and uh one of the big uh few big news uh came out of the sports world uh this was a week or so ago that i failed to cover on an episode the colonial athletic association has officially renamed themselves into the coastal athletic association and teams this includes uh drexel elon hampton hofstra northeastern uh william and mary and Oh, and Charleston, and uh, there's uh, other teams as well, but I can't I can't figure out who they are uh, based on this uh, poster. Uh, but uh, renaming of conference, so it went from I mean it's still the CAA, but you, instead of Colonial, it's Coastal. Okay, well I mean whatever you guys have to do to I don't know make yourselves appear better or whatever but i mean i think the i think the really big um collegiate uh story coming out is uh what's going on with the pac-12 and that and i'm sure even there's some people in california oregon washington and arizona and utah who are all going hey are we gonna have a conference you know maybe next year or in a few years because colorado's jumping ship Colorado, they are jumping ship. They're going back to the Big 12. And then, wow. I mean, it, it's the Deion Sanders effect. It, I mean, it has to be the Deion Sanders effect, regardless of the fact that the Pac-12 does not have a does not have a TV deal in place, which is scary. Because the only way you're going to watch the Pac-12 is if one of their teams is playing a top team in a different conference like the Big Ten, uh, the SEC, ACC, or potentially the Big 12. Big 12 could be the next power conference, for all we know. Mega conference. I mean, everybody's saying the SEC, Big Ten are already duking it out as the two mega conferences. But there's people like me. And that who have said that there's going to be a third one out there, there has to be. And that and I'm ready, guys. I'm so ready. And that to make these T-shirts, I have the print design and everything. I'll even I'll even add this to the pictures for um for the episode on Instagram at Drops the Gloves Podcast, all lowercase, all one word. I will add the design. And uh, copy me if you want. I mean, go for it. Make them yourself. But I am ready for the design where you add the Pac-12 and the ACC together and you form the Coast to Coast Conference. And that C2C, Coast to Coast Conference. Come on. Let, let's make it happen. Let the dream, let, let the dream become a reality. And uh, think about it. Think about teams like Oregon playing Clemson. 
and that or uh stanford playing boston college or uh was it or duke playing uh oh gosh washington at washington um or arizona playing florida state i mean come on think of these matchups think of how great this this conference is going to be it's gonna be huge it's gonna be great I mean, think about some of these teams that are rising up in the ranks of each conference. Oregon, Washington, Utah State. And I mean, you've lost USC and UCLA to uh, the Big Ten. What are you going to do, Pac-12? TV deal can't really save you now, can it? The only thing that you that can save you guys is you have to you have to start adding teams. Like maybe you should have taken the offer uh, of San Diego State a month ago. Maybe you should have accepted the whole rumor mill and was like, oh, yeah, 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 we're totally talking to them. Yeah, we're totally doing it. And that, Why don't you do that? Why, why didn't you accept San Diego State? Why not accept other teams? Uh, maybe add Hawaii and that, or add Boise State or, I don't know, well, you can't go after BYU. BYU is joining the Big 12. UC is joining the Big 12. Houston's joining the Big 12. I mean, you guys got to do something. I mean, you've lost now three teams. You've lost three teams now. And, and you lost a foothold in Southern California. The Pac-12's on life support. What are you going to do? You have to do something, or there will be no Pac-12 in a year or two. Regardless if there's a TV deal or not, this is probably why there is no TV deal. It's because you're losing. You're losing teams. We're losing. Sorry, slap shot moment. Um, so the University of Colorado football program has come a long way since going one and eleven last year. On December 3rd, 2022, they hired Deion Sanders as their next head football coach. Since then, sales have officially licensed Colorado uh, University products are up by 700%. They have seen an increase in the following on in, in their following on Instagram by 840%. The Colorado Buffaloes sold out their spring game for the first time in program history. I'm telling you guys, changing of the guard here. Things are things are getting big in Colorado. Uh, the University of Colorado's Board of Regents unanimously voted to rejoin the Big 12 after the 2023-2024 season. It is it's the prime effect. It's the Deion Sanders effect. Uh, you bring in a superstar like Deion Sanders as your coach and seeing how well he did uh, with uh, Jackson State. And now, uh, now that he's here uh, at a more higher level, and uh, he's taken Colorado by storm. I mean, I mean, if you've seen his truck that he bought, my gosh, what a truck. <laughs> I mean... I mean, there, I have seen some pretty souped-up trucks in my time, but Deion Sanders, when he goes big, he goes big. And I totally, totally went big there. And uh, But, I mean, you got to—Pac-12, you got to do something. You lost USC, you lost UCLA, you lost Colorado. 
You've got to do something to make people turn heads and make the conference re relevant again. You have to do it. And so along with uh, college football gearing back up, I still have to figure out how I'm going to do the um, picking the games and that without a uh, second chair here in the penalty box. I'm going to have to figure that stuff out. Um, I'll still do the picks. I just got to figure out how I'm going to do it. Um, we'll get to the NFL here for a little bit. Um, I guess one of the more local big news here in the greater Cincinnati area is Joe Burrow, quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, is said to miss several weeks after uh, sustaining a calf strain injury. So let's not try and panic here, Cincinnati. Okay. Let, 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 let's not panic, all right? I'm fine! <laughs> totally fine! I, I don't know why it's coming out all loud and squeaky, because really, I'm fine. I mean, these things happen. These things totally happen. It's camp. It's the off-season still. We're working our way up. This is nothing to get worried about. This is nothing to get worked up over, okay? And that take a few sips of your beer, and, and we're going to get through this, all right? We're totally going to get through this. He, he's not out for the season. He's just out for a few weeks. few weeks. You know what that means? That means like two at the minimum. All right, and it's not like he's not going to lose a step or something. So let, let's all, Houday Nation, Houday Nation, woosah. Say it with me. Woosah. Woosah. And that, remember your pressure points. Remember your pressure points. Woosah. All right? So I'll take a deep breath. And we'll, we'll get through this just fine. All right? Other drama that is going on in the NFL right now, I don't understand all of it. I, I To be honest with you, I'm kind of clueless. But there's supposedly something going on with the running back position in the NFL. Some running backs are starting to come to the realization that they're getting screwed in their contracts or how they're being valued in the NFL or on some teams. That's the best way I can actually kind of understand it. I mean, I'm not a player advocate or anything, or I'm not even a player union advocate. I don't. I don't know the whole details around it. All I know is that there are several running backs across the NFL who are not happy with, with their value in the NFL. And I kind of think, well, th this is my conspiracy theory. Th this is my conspiracy. My theory is that the reason why uh, running backs are becoming, I guess, undervalued. Sir, I'll say certain running backs. I'm not going to say all of them. I'm going to say certain running backs have become undervalued. And the reason why they've become undervalued is because they are on a team with a quarterback that can run outside the pocket, can make plays outside of the pocket. That is why I think some, not all, I'm not saying this is a widespread thing. I will say it could get there eventually, maybe one day, but I'm not going to say it now or whatever, or a systemic issue. I'm not, I'm not going to say that, but I am going to say that it, this, it, this probably is an issue for teams that have a quarterback where they are able to make plays, run the ball themselves rather than handing it off to a running back.
and then teams like potentially Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, oh, I'm blanking here. Who else? Oh, Baltimore uh, Ravens. And that Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, all these guys can run outside the pocket. All these guys can make up plays. They can all produce major yards on a sneak or on a quarterback run or a quarterback draw. They can all do these things. And that, so with that being said, are we seeing potentially the running backs being eliminated from the NFL? I don't think so. And I'd hate to see that. Because eventually defenses are going to get used to the whole passing game. I mean, can I mean think about it this way? The game has come so far where it used to be that more that all teams ran the ball, very few teams passed the ball. Now we're in an era of the NFL where all teams pass the ball and very few run the ball. And the teams that run the ball are teams that rely on the running back more than those teams that have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. All right. Those teams, they need their running back. Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals is probably going to see a lot of, a lot of touches this coming year. All right. Just renegotiated a deal with the team. So he's, Probably going to see a lot of touches. Will that amount to what he's actually worth or the performance that he puts up? We don't know. We haven't played a game yet. We're still in camp. But I do believe that the position is undervalued in certain team markets, not systemically across the entire league. That's what I believe. And, I, that, and that's the best way I can dumb it down for me to even understand it. Because I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand the contract stipulations or what the what the running backs themselves truly believe. But this is what I've been, this is what I have gathered and what I have come to understand from reading or watching others out there try and process what is going on in the NFL. Well, that's about it, guys. Actually, uh, before we. Um... And I'd like to uh, I'd like to end uh, this episode with uh, a why we love sports moment. And I, I think this is a good way to end the show. We'll, we'll do a why we love sports moment. So Miguel Cabrera uh, has uh, announced uh, that this uh, this year's uh, season is his last season in the MLB. So he's going to retire at the end of this year. Um, and so this weekend. This past weekend, he went down to Miami, Florida and played against his former team, the Florida Marlins. And that, and I still think Florida Marlins, you guys made a bad choice in changing the colors, changing the name from Florida to Miami. I just ugh. go back to the teal and black. Those were so much better days. So much better days. But anyway, Miguel Cabrera, Came into the league with the Florida Marlins in 2003, won a World Series with them in 2003 uh, against the New York Yankees. Yeah, I have to rub it in just a little bit to you Yankee fans out there. Um, so Detroit was the visiting team, went down to Miami, Florida, and Miguel Cabrera received a standing ovation uh, at bat and even when he left the game after singling out to uh, center field. I think that is incredible. I mean, for some of those baseball fans, 
in Miami, whether you guys are fair weather, you're new, or you've been uh, a Marlin fan uh, ever since uh, their existence in the MLB, uh, class act by all of you guys by showing love to uh, Miguel Cabrera. It's much deserved. Again, tip of the cap to you, Miguel. So Miguel Cabrera, uh, Patrice Bergeron, two awesome players. Both of you guys get a tip of the cap from me, uh, host Charlie of uh, Drop the Gloves. And so uh, it's been an honor to watch you guys all, uh, watch both of you guys. And uh, you guys totally deserve every um, standing ovation, uh, stick tap, no matter where you go. Uh, whether it's in Boston, whether it's in Florida, whether it's in Detroit, you guys totally deserve it. You guys have been huge, huge inspirations for tons of kids in your respective sports, both hockey and baseball. And we're going to miss you. Changing of the guard is happening, guys, whether we like it or not. Changing of the guard. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it here in the penalty box for episode 131. Want to give a special shout out to Spotify for Podcasters, our hosting platform. Thank you guys for 131 episodes strong. Uh, be sure to check us out on Instagram at Drop the Gloves Podcast, all lowercase, all one word for all the beer, sports, and shenanigans that take place in between these episodes. Come at me, bro. We are also on Apple, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and Google. F you, Google. I am your host, Charlie, reminding you that life is too short to drink crappy beer. And I will see you guys next week in the penalty box. And this one!